Namaste, Satnam. Welcome to A Thousand Serious Moves with Amanda Holstein. This is an comedic podcast about spirituality, mysticism, poetry, and to this and to this season, we are going through the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a book of wisdom. And as always, we are reminded that A Thousand Serious Moves is not about dogmatic Christianity, but about the Western esoteric tradition uh, with which we have been gifted by good angels and spirits to enlighten the light within us, if we so choose. <clears throat> um, yes, hello friends and listeners, thank you for tuning in. How's it going? Everything is going swimmingly over here. And by that, I mean, you know, trials and tribulations, and everything is an opportunity to awaken. So, full disclosure, I, um, my unemployment ran out today, I found out, which is fine. You know, I have many avenues of making money, and it's really motivating me to get serious. And since this is a very serious podcast, um, I'm going to ask you to check out my Etsy shop. There's lots of new art on there, um, etsy.com slash shop slash Haniel777. That's H-A-N-A-E-L-777. As mentioned, there are new Sator squares available, though I've already sold another one. So hop on in there and see something you like and make a purchase to support your own household as well as myself. And I can only keep what I have by giving it away. And so I'm giving to you my words in the form of poetry. And if you like my words and wish to help me keep these gifts that I have, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash ATSM for a thousand serious moves. You can also just Venmo me at HTX Oracle, and I also do tarot readings. And so if you would like to schedule a tarot reading, you can go ahead and email me at htxoracle at gmail.com, htxoracle at gmail.com. I'm going to be updating the website so that you can schedule on there very soon. Um, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. And I wouldn't really call this a desperate time, but, you know, some of us grow through pain. And all things work in service of the good. Ding dong. Right? Isn't it a matter of perception? And so, what do I do whenever shit gets a little hairy? What do I do whenever shit gets hard? Um, I guess I go pick it up. When my dog takes a shit out in the courtyard here in uh, where I live, here in where I live, and he takes a shit in the courtyard. It's so dry out here in Marfa that the shit like dries up really, really quickly. It's kind of funny. And so you go pick up that shit, clean up your mess, and move forward, right? I'm not going to spend all day thinking about the shit that I picked up this morning, right? It's just like you just throw it away and then you move on. Sometimes it feels like that's easier said than done because the mind likes to get caught in patterns. Um, But that's where prayer and meditation and working some type of program come in handy. Just for today, I'm not using drugs anymore. And it's been 135-ish days since I've taken any drugs. And that's a personal choice because that's what my guardian angel told me to do. 
And, you know, I try to not compare myself to other people who look like they're having fun because it's really about my own personal journey and my own personal path. And I look at using drugs as, okay, so it's like this, maybe. For sure, it seems that I create reality with my mind. And so if I'm using drugs, then my mind becomes fragmented and I'm not able to manifest as an abundant of reality as I would like. And so when I have a clear mind and I start to clear out all the shit, then presumably I'll be able to create a better life for myself. I do think it's nice to mention that when I had about three days clean is when I got this writer's residency um, over here at Building 98. So it feels like that that's something that's good to share is that life gets better when we surrender. Or at least when I do, right? I can only speak for myself, though we are all connected. Here's something that I wrote that I'm going to share with you. It doesn't have a title. I just wrote it on Sunday. There's a war in my mind that's raging. Should I write in gray or gold? What is or am God? A red bedspread or the smoke of the incense? My old God used to wish that I'd starve for external validation. A stamp of approval as I wonder what's so wrong with a brand new car or that, or is that just another form of self-limitation? This gray pen was made by Mitsubishi and I'm in love with a man who has what I want to be. I'm in love with so many men and I'm also in love with my say, myself as I say through gritted teeth. I thought life was supposed to be perfect, but when I wonder if famous people are happy or more godlike, sometimes I want to hide under my sheets, which reminds me I too am godlike. Like how God is always hiding right before my eyes in the rays of the sunlight as I remember that I am already free. Is a book ever completed? Because I'm starting to think life isn't even real, or like my primary purpose is to help the newcomer. I feel like an old timer, learning to flip my perspective, open my hand, and receive what? A million dollar bills? Or Instagram followers? Do I have a resentment against anyone who doesn't follow me on Twitter or share my podcast? My true will is God's will. And God's will is goodwill, helping others. Because self-centeredness is at the core of my dis-ease. Ego is my dis-ease. So there's that. Uh, what else is going on? I feel like the last episode or two were really a lot of reading what I wrote. And, you know, I know how y'all like to hear what I, what I have to say. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't be listening. 
there's a video companion to this episode. There wasn't one on the last episode because I just was like, fuck it. I just got to get this shit out there. So, but today I put forth a little bit more effort and turned on photo booth. So, um, my hair is not did. I have not ran a brush through it except my bangs. I have bangs. What am I even talking about? Physical appearances. They say, as above, so below, as within, so without. Like, wherever my attention goes, energy flows, right? I mean, am I just, like, talking shit? Like, am I just, like, trying to sound good? Like, what am I even doing here? Like, why am I here? I know I'm not the only person who wonders that. Um, sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I, I sure picked a time to to choose to be clean when I haven't even taken ayahuasca. But I have a sponsor in a particular program who has a professor who has two students that go down to South America and take ayahuasca. And the professor said that it hasn't helped them at all in their journeys. I know it's helped some people. And I know that it does help people to get clean or sober. I prefer the word clean uh, over sober because it's not just about alcohol. Alcohol is just one of many drugs. And uh, in ancient or in Egyptian, you know, uh, there's a, the word evil has a few different translations into English and one of them means dirty. And so I like the word clean. So I do know that ayahuasca has helped some people, but I have a friend who likes to do heroin. And so what he'll do is he'll go off and then he'll go and like do ayahuasca and get clean. But then as soon as he picks it back up again, the disease just keeps spiraling. And then there was an episode of Dopey recently. I love Dopey. If you're if you're in recovery or like to hear drug stories, definitely check out Dopey podcast. And uh, I'm over here recommending a podcast that has more listeners than me. <laughs> so whatever, share the love. So there was a real housewife on there and she was saying that she had went to Mexico and done some type of like psychedelic treatment to help her quit drinking. And she quit drinking for 10 years. It helped her. But then as soon as she thought that she could drink again, it the shit just hit the fan and it just all spiraled out of control again. So the disease is still dormant, even if we're not using. And that's why a program of recovery is good because, right, like drugs aren't my problem, right? Like drugs are my solution to my problem. And my problem is ultimately my thinking and my mind. And so I can put down the drugs and everything gets a little bit better, but I'm still just left with the problem. And so just for today, I seek solutions. And part of that involves me sharing on this podcast. And then I'm going to go to a meeting here in about 52 minutes. And then I'll probably go to another meeting later because there's a really hot guy who chairs that meeting. And so whatever it is that keeps you clean... (laughs) I think that's true. I have a friend that says hose recover too. And that's one of the most profound things I've heard in a 12-step program. And again, this is anonymous. I'm not naming which 12-step program of which I am a part because there are many. And it's really a gift. I feel like 
to be part of a 12-step program is really like, it really is like a select, you know, people. And so I really am grateful to identify as somebody who needs a 12-step program. Because when I admit that I'm an addict, I'm also admitting the fact that there's a solution available to me. And so when I'm in denial and I act like I don't have a problem, then I'm just staying in that problem. And then there's, there's nothing to recover from, right? And so then my life just must be hunky fucking dory if I'm saying that I don't got a problem when I clearly do. And sometimes it's not clear that I have a problem because there was a minute there whenever I was confronted with like, oh shit, I got the affliction. I got the disease. Like I have it because my mind told me I didn't, but I could feel my heart pounding in my chest. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah, I got it. I mean, I got both of my parents, you know, I got addiction all over the fucking place. And so I'm really grateful that I have a solution today. And now I'm going to read from Ecclesiastes 3. Um, It's entitled, Everything Has Its Time, which I actually will say a little bit more about. Is uh, There's a plum tree at an Airbnb just down the street from me. And when I go for walks, there's usually nobody staying there. And so I started going and picking plums. And I usually pick the ones that are already on the ground and look at the ones that are in the tree and just say like, you know what, it's not their time yet. There's like a process of ripening. And even in the process of like awakening gnosis, it is a process and these things take time. One of my teachers said it's like, taking a dirty sock and then like bathing it in awareness and then you pull the sock out it's still dirty right you don't just bathe it once in some like one enlightening ayahuasca lsd meditation experience right like you dip it in you take it out you dip it back in you take it out you dip it back in you move it around you take it back out right and then even thinking about like sharpening a sword right or uh, the process of tumbling rocks. One day I'm going to read here from the Book of Gates. There's uh, a section that's called, uh, it's called the the Rocky Place, or something like, fuck, I wish I, now I want to go grab my book. Yeah, I'm going to go grab it. I'm going to pause the uh, audio, but I don't know how to pause the video, so the video you're just going to wait. But the audio is now paused now. The Quarry Place, that's what it is. It's from scene 41 of the Book of Gates. This is from a magical translation translated by Michael Shepard and with commentary by Josephine McCarthy. So I'll read this because it's so good. Okay, 12 bowing figures. Gods who are in the quarry place of the earth. Before a circle containing a Uraeus, Book ended by two mummies, glow face, kindle face. The accompanying text reads, They exist in the circumference of this quarry place. There exists a risen one who is alive in this quarry place. The water of the quarry place exists as fire. Gods of the earth, 
presences of earth cannot drop into this quarry place, which is in the arm of the flame of this risen one. Breathes this great God who is of the outer chamber of the duat, by the hallowed water of this quarry place, says to them, Ray, So, oh ho, gods who guard the hallowed quarry place, rendering water to the outer chamber of the silent land. Now the water of the quarry pit belongs to the seat of the eye, and your cold refreshment to the foremost of the duat. Now the balm of your fiery blast, which is your lickings, is at the presences of those who arise to disobey the seat of the eye. Not lacking is the screech of the quarry place, none is like you. And there is none coming into power from its waters for the gods who guard it. Their extension is bread. Their scale pans are hallowed vessels. Their cold refreshment is water. Now, putting forth what is theirs on earth means being a hallowed one in the West. And then here's the commentary. The quarry place is where raw materials are excavated and shaped and formed, ready to be used in construction. So the same applies in the duat. The raw materials for the life form are quarried and shaped in form, ready for the construction of form for the ascending one. It is both a place and a power. Ray's speech defines this as the quarry place for Osiris and the Osirisin process. It also brings back mention of the coolness of water, which has the power balanced and transformed, and how that water can be fire that burns and attacks in balance. In the Egyptian pattern, this place speaks of the cave-slash-chamber from which Osiris rises, and the Western magicians, it also speaks of the magical abyss. For Quaria adepts, think of the abyss and the cave-slash-chamber with its access upwards to be states that run parallel to each other. For the Egyptians, they were perceived as interwoven. This tells us that this is the last deep point of the passage through the duat before the power shifts. It is also the end of the sixth hour and the threshold of the sixth gate, the middle of the twelve hours. It is also the deep point where the voice of creation echoes down and across the abyss in an act of creation or destruction. Quote, Not lacking is the screech of the quarry place. None is like you. End quote. So what that says to me was a lot of things is that these things take time and there's a process of refinement that's going on. And so me as somebody who would identify as an addict who identify I am an addict okay I am a fucking addict so as an addict it's like I want everything and I want it yesterday and now and I want to make sure that I have it tomorrow but when I'm being tumbled in the so-called quarry place 
right? I don't just become an ascended one. I have to go through the 12 gates or the 12 steps, what have you, right? 12 signs of the zodiac, what have you. Like, I have to go through this process and just trust that, like, if I'm doing the next right thing, like, that's a success. Like, let me also enjoy this fucking day, right? And enjoy the process because it's all happening at once and it's just unfolding before my eyes. And so with that, again, check out my Etsy shop at etsy.com slash shop slash Hanael777. That's H-A-N-A-E-L-777. And if you'd like to get a tarot reading, email me at htxoracle at gmail.com and check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash A-T-S-M for a thousand serious moves. You can also just donate out of the kindness of your heart to keep the flow of energy going at Venmo at HTX Oracle. And here we are now at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Everything has its time. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. That which has already been and what is to be has already been. And God requires an account of what is past. Moreover, I saw under the sun, in the place of judgment, wickedness was there, and in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. 
I said in my heart, Concerning the condition of the sons of men, God tests them, that they may see that they themselves are like animals. For what happens to the sons of men also happens to animals. One thing befalls them. As one dies, so dies the other. Surely they all have one breath. Man has no advantage over animals, for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dust, and all return to the dust. Who knows the spirit of the sons of men, which goes upward, and the spirit of the animals, which goes down to the earth? So I perceived that nothing is better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his heritage. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him?